Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 165th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cam. Uh, I spent the last few days in Florida with a little vacation with the family. Oh. That was nice. Um, you see any sights? Oh, yeah. It's just beautiful, beautiful sights. Um it's still warm there oh yeah uh, unlike here but uh got back about 1 30 or so in the morning last night i guess which is kind of weird way to say that but i so i was in the uh charlotte north carolina airport about <laughs> eight hours ago but here i am and um thanks for I'm being ready. here with us i'm ready <laughs> um what, what was your favorite part of your vacation oh just uh not working and hey. uh I don't know. It's always nice. The beach is nice. I don't yeah. know. It was, it was really chill. It was, I mean, it was kind of off-season in Florida, so it was not very busy or anything, so mm-hmm. very nice. Um, it's Halloween this weekend. It is. Happy Halloween. Um, well, how does Halloween rank on your like uh, holiday list? Um, below Thanksgiving and Christmas, probably, but it's unique. It's fun. I like it. It's was it a third. big thing in your household growing up? Like, was, were you always looking forward to Halloween? Um, maybe a little bit. Like, we always did trick-or-treating, and we yeah. dressed up and stuff like that. But I don't know that we... We never had, like, um, crazy decorations outside our house or anything like that growing up, but it was still fun. Halloween, for me, growing up, was always my favorite. And only as I've gotten older has, like, Christmas and Thanksgiving inched their way up the list, and that's mostly because of the food Yeah, <laughs> uh, f- with those two holidays, but I always was psyched for Halloween yeah. as a kid, and like the the years where Halloween fell on a weekend was like literally better than Christmas <laughs> for me, and uh, I would always want to go with like super scary costumes. I was, I was just about to ask, were you the were you the kid with like the really gory mask? Well, my parents would very rarely let me go as far as I wanted to go with stuff like that. <laughs> and also, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, so it was always like, okay, like if you get this like costume that you have to pay money for, you got to make it last for like 2 or 3 years. Yeah. If you want to go homemade, then we can do something different this year. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, it is what it is. But yeah, I always loved Halloween. So happy Halloween to all the listeners and viewers. There was something kind of interesting about going trick-or-treating, like just seeing all the different houses. Like every house had kind of like a different little personality and mm-hmm. different people that came. It was always like, all right, who's going to open this door? I don't yeah. know. It's just kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. And it is kind of funny just to think about like just children just running around the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, And that's something that was pretty normal. It probably still is pretty normal. I'm, you know, very removed from that scene. But uh as an adult, it's like, yeah, it's kind of weird. Just kids running everywhere, like just <laughs> ringing people's doorbells. Yep. It's mostly supervised. Well, Kyle, this week we're getting into basketball talk. Um, we're going to start with this week. We're going to do basketball player previews. So we're going to go down the whole roster, talk about uh, all the players, what they bring to the table. And um, we've got a lot of new faces to talk about this week. And then next week, we'll look at the schedule and make our predictions on how we think the season will go. So if you are listening to this, maybe you have uh, friends or family that maybe listened to us at the beginning of the football season and maybe have fallen off a little bit because of how the season has gone. Well, now would be the time to let them know we are starting basketball talk and you want to get in on this early so that you know who the players are and what to expect this season. 
So if you're still listening to us from football season, we appreciate you and let people know it's time to start thinking about basketball. Yeah, if you're still here, we really appreciate you. <laughs> we are going to preview the Vanderbilt game, football game, so we have that to look forward to. Um, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button, leave a comment, um, and check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Pod. Kyle, there are a lot of players from last year's basketball team that are not returning. I'm going to read you a list of them. Drew Smith, Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, Drew Bugs, Xavier Pinson, Mitchell Smith, Parker Braun, Braun, Brown, and Torrance Watson. That is eight players out of the 11 on last year's team that produced any sort of statistic whatsoever. Yeah, this is like a total refresh, just starting over. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of turnover in college basketball just across the board this year, but I can't imagine many more teams having more turnover than Missouri did this year. Yeah, it's insane. And especially when you consider that one of the three players returning is Jordan Wilmore, yeah. who didn't contribute very many stats whatsoever. So like out of the 11 players that did anything, played a minute in any game, eight of them are gone. Yep. And like four of the top five scorers, like most of the top of every statistic. Obviously, Drew Smith, um, if you don't know, he actually has a two-way contract, I believe, with the Miami Heat, mm -hmm. so good for him. Uh, Tillman's been attempting to do the same thing, but it looks like he'll probably get a shot overseas with a pro team, most likely. Mark Smith is with Kansas State. Drew Bugs is with another team I can't remember. Uh, he, uh, kind of like a mid-major team, I believe. Yeah. Xavier Pinson is with LSU, unfortunately, and Mitchell Smith did get a uh, contract with an overseas pro team. Uh, Torrance Watson is with Elon. Elon. Um, Parker Brown is with I think like Santa Clara or yes. something. Yes. So lots of turnover, lots of Lo new faces coming into the program, yeah. and that's where we will start with the incoming freshmen. And we'll start with Caleb Brown, uh, obviously younger brother of junior Kobe Brown. He's a three-star player from Huntsville, Alabama. And he is one of the more intriguing players on this whole roster just because of his size and skill set. He was not a highly touted recruit by any means. I think he was unranked in the recruiting circles for a long time and then just barely got a three-star rating. Um, late in his recruitment but he is a big kid and he uh, can handle the ball can shoot it a little bit can make plays so he's a very intriguing but obviously not very refined and is more of a developmental player of this freshman class yeah um, obviously brother of Kobe Brown you probably already said that but um, they look very similar they both had kind of the same uh, situation where they, they they didn't really quite look physically ready uh, when they came into the program, but Kobe has transformed his body, and I'm assuming that Caleb will probably do the same thing, but um, Caleb is not going to probably be like an instant impact guy at Mizzou. He doesn't need to be. There's a lot of guys in front of him, but in high school, he's kind of a do-it-all player. I mean, he would he was like running point as like a, you know, 6'6", six, six, you know, whatever. I don't even know how, how much he weighed, but he was just a big guy and he but he would uh he was scoring he was 
passing. He was really doing it all. So um, he he does have an in, kind of an intriguing skill set that um, maybe he'll be pretty impactful in a couple years. Yeah, the official roster has him at six six two fifty. Wow. And he like primarily played point guard for his high school team. Yeah, I thought I saw a picture of him a couple of days ago, and it looked like he maybe had slimmed down already a little bit. So just with some time in the in, in the workout room. Yeah. Um, next up, we will talk about the two freshmen from Springfield, um, Trayvon Brazil, three-star uh, player. He is six-seven and very, very thin. Uh, he has like the opposite uh, work to do. Like he really needs to bulk up and add some muscle to his frame. But he's insanely athletic. I think if he were to contribute early it would be mostly on the defensive side of the ball and like being able to finish uh, plays at the rim. He has a little bit of an outside shot, but I just really, I kind of see him and Caleb Brown as both being guys that I don't expect to see much from for a couple years. I agree. Um, we will probably reference it quite a bit throughout these previews because it's really all we have to go on so far, but we have seen um, a few stats, a few things from the uh, secret scrimmage against uh, against Creighton about a week ago, and for whatever reason, it looks like Trayvon Brazil didn't play in that game. I don't know if he was banged up or something, or if he just really is. I mean, that far uh, down down the uh, down the lineup, I don't mm-hmm. know. But I agree with you. Yeah, he 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 definitely offers some some pretty incredible upside with his athleticism. He has like a seven foot wingspan, um, so he is going to be bouncy he's gonna disrupt the passing lanes and and block shots and yeah like you said he can definitely stretch the floor and he might you know kind of be a a stretch four whenever he's ready to contribute but uh i I definitely agree with you he's gonna be probably more of an impact down the road so i have a little bit of a comparison here okay and i'm not saying that trayvon brazil is going to turn into this player but trayvon brazil on his 24 7 uh recruiting profile listed at six seven 180 three-star player number 183 in the nation for his class and there's a mizzou recruit from years ago who is listed coming out of high school six seven 180 three-star can i guess who it is you can uh number 200 in the country and was known as a bouncy player blocked some shots not going to contribute a lot on offense early well, I didn't follow recruiting this long ago, so I, I'm not sure where this person would have ranked, I guess, coming in, but are you thinking Lawrence Bowers? Lawrence Bowers is the player. So nearly identical recruiting profiles. And Bowers didn't develop his like mid-range shot that he's kind of known for today until he was out for the season you know, with a knee injury. So. Yeah, he completely changed his game. And he was the... like electric bouncy player i'll never forget him like finishing a dunk at the end of the kansas state game on the road when missouri kind of pulled a little upset there mm-hmm. and uh like just threw down a massive garbage time dunk at the end of the game yeah and that's the type of player that that brazil is right now he can just go dunk it any which way and block some shots and just be really bouncy so yeah those those uh pre-ACL injury highlights for Lawrence Bowers are pretty pretty insane. Yeah, so obviously I'm not saying that he's going to turn into that right. type of player, but, but similar body. it is possible for a kind of into-the-bench freshman, three-star, skinny, 
uh, athletic guy to develop and be a contributor. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have his teammate from Kickapoo in high school here in Springfield, Anton Brookshire, a six-foot point guard who was obviously the primary scorer uh, in high school for Kickapoo. He's the all-time leading career scorer in the history of Springfield Public Schools. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, even to be the leading scorer for Kickapoo is pretty yeah. amazing because we've, oh, I say we because I'm a Kickapoo alum, but uh, I mean, there's been a lot of great players that have come out of a Kickapoo. I'm pretty sure uh, we still have a Kickapoo alum that's in the NBA currently whose right. name somehow uh, escapes Anthony me. Anthony Tolliver. Yes. He's got to be like 40 years old at this point. Got to be close. <laughs> is he still is he still kicking around the NBA? I, I he think he was, was very recently. Yeah, I don't know if he still is, but he was like a year or two ago. Yeah. Um, Brookshire is kind of a do-it-all point guard. Um, we watched him play at the Tournament of Champions. Specifically, we watched him go up against Oak Hill and put up like 33 points in that game. Mm -hmm. They really didn't have an answer for him. It seemed like they were okay with him getting his points if they just made sure he was the only one scoring for Kickapoo. Yeah. And that worked out. Obviously, they just have so much talent all across the roster that they were able to withstand it. But he looked really good. And um, a couple of the coaches in that Tournament of Champions said, this kid from Kickapoo is the best guard we've played against yeah. this it, season. If he were at a bigger high school, he might be blowing up more yeah. in recruiting. There was a, I, I forget which school it was, but I think maybe it was Christ the King in yep. New York. He said, this guy is as good or better than any point guard we've seen in New York. Yeah, I believe that. So that being said, I don't know if he, I don't think he's going to come in and run the show from the point guard position day one. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a considerable amount of playing time at point guard. But I think we will see some freshman struggles. I think he'll probably be pretty inefficient scoring the ball if he tries to do much of that. And probably will have, you know, freshman turnovers that are head scratching and stuff like that. But I think we will see him score against like lesser competition pretty mm -hmm. well and put up some decent assist numbers, make some flashy plays on offense from time to time. But again, the story of this whole freshman class is players that can develop into um, SEC type players in years to come yeah and, and hopefully that there's enough experience and older guys on this team to where the freshmen don't have to contribute right, right. away and that's actually uh, a little bit different than some of the Conzo Martin teams we've seen in the past where you know remember Torrance Watson and, and Pickett they came yeah. in the same year and were both like starting yeah as freshmen because they just had to contribute immediately but that's definitely not the case on this team, but I do think Anton Brookshire could definitely get in there some. Um, he's probably going to be a streaky shooter. He might have one of those games where he just hits like, you know, three or four threes in a game or something like that. But, um, yeah, he'll probably play some reserve point guard or something too. Yeah, I mean, true point guard is one area where they could use some help, in my opinion. I yeah. mean, that's just general ball handlers. Yeah, that's a spot where a freshman could get some playing time. So he's kind of set up okay there. Another spot is in the post, and that brings us to Yaya Kita, 6'9", um, forward from DeSmet High School in St. Louis. And he was super under-the-radar recruit, and Missouri kind of hopped on him early and like locked up his commitment without really letting him look around too much. And I think they'll reap the benefits of that because he his body 
looks college ready day one. And he did have a knee injury last year that kept him out of his senior season of basketball in high school. But he seems to be recovering well from that from all accounts. And he's super athletic and long wingspan. I think he could be impactful on the defensive end right away. And between him and Jordan Wilmore, if you're looking for a guy to really play the five spot this upcoming season, I think he has every bit of I think he has a better chance than Wilmore based on what little we've seen of Wilmore to get some minutes at the five. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're just different players. And Yaya Keita is, like you said, just a crazy athlete, um, ridiculous vertical. I remember seeing some uh, some pretty crazy dunks from him in high school before he got hurt and stuff. But uh, just really high motor. He's going to play hard 100% of the time. And I, I think we'll see him quite a bit I mean I definitely think he could probably play 15-20 minutes a game potentially mm-hmm. this year as a freshman uh, then we have Sean Dura Gordon who is technically a redshirt freshman because he didn't enroll last year and then redshirted the second half of the season so he traveled with the team practiced with the team he's uh, 6'5 forward and he is kind of touted at this point as like a maybe like a defensive specialist but I, he likes to post videos of him shooting threes in the practice gym and his shot looks really good he's another guy that's super athletic and i think that's going to be another theme throughout the whole roster is a general upgrade in athleticism over the last couple uh mizzou basketball teams oh yeah i think that's what's maybe most exciting about this team in general is just the athleticism and the the length and uh i think the defense will will be better and stuff but just talking about deer gordon i yeah i definitely think that He's kind of a, a three and D guy, but definitely has the ability to slash and and get to the rim too. Uh, we've we've seen some some highlights of him dunking in practice and stuff like that too. So um, again, <clears throat> kind of the theme of the freshman for the most part. Don't know that he'll be relied upon very much uh, his first year, but just because he's got some guys in front of him in the, yeah. the position he plays. But I hope that he really sticks around for the long term because I think he could be a really good player. Yeah, I think maybe he would be potentially the most ready to contribute of this freshman group but unfortunately has the most guys in front of him at his position just kind of that general wing uh three and d type player i mean there's a couple upperclassmen that fit right into that mold that i think will get time ahead of him Mm -hmm. so overall uh the freshman class has some upside but it's um not the most flashy i mean all of these guys are three-star recruits i kept waiting for brookshire's status to go up in the recruiting rankings but it never really happened and so we'll see what we get i mean i think this is kind of like and and knowing that we do have aiden shaw coming in next year that kind of helps make this freshman class a little bit more palatable and um i just hope that kind of like what we always say about freshmen. I hope we don't have to rely on them too much. I hope they can kind of ease themselves into um, playing at the college level and the fan base can be a little bit relaxed and patient with these guys. Moving on to sophomores. We've got two of them. Um, the first one is a transfer from Massachusetts, Ronnie DeGray the third. He averaged eight points and four rebounds per game shot uh, 54% from the field and 37% from three in about 27 minutes per game as a freshman. 
he did score 21 points against Rhode Island and 19 against St. Joe's in the uh, Atlantic 10 tournament. So kind of a do-it-all forward. Um, he has a decent three-point shot, uh, 37%. It's not bad. Not a lot of attempts, though. And um, he, in a lot of games, kind of took on the scoring role as a freshman for Massachusetts. They obviously had a really good player in Trey Mitchell who transferred to Texas. And so I was watching some of their highlights from last year, and there's a lot of two-man game between uh, Ronnie DeGray and Trey Mitchell where he was finding Mitchell down low for some easy baskets, Mm -hmm. and they would kind of bring DeGray into like the high post area and let him kind of facilitate. I mean, they were always looking to get the ball to Mitchell down low, but yeah. it worked really well, and he seems to have an eye for that post-injury yeah, pass. Definitely good, like, interior passer for sure. Um, yeah, he's not quite as, like, explosive as some of the players that we just talked about with, like, Duger Gordon or, or Yaya Kita, but um, he's almost c- kind of has, like, an old man's game a little bit. I think he's kind of have a, a, a smooth jumper, uh, can get in the lane and kind of do a little teardrop action, but he was really pretty efficient at UMass, and... I mean, honestly, I don't know. I say he's a smooth jumper. It, his shot isn't the most beautiful thing I've, I've seen, but it just goes in. And yeah. um, I don't know what, what they'll have him do as far as three-point shooting because he didn't do it a ton at yep. UMass. But uh, when he did shoot it, he was pretty efficient. So um, I think Ronnie DeGray might be kind of like the sixth man off, you know, the first man off the bench or something. He'll play a lot. I don't really know exactly how they'll use him, but he can probably play a little bit of the three. Probably, Well, mainly probably be at the four, though. Yeah. I think that's going to be something that we see a lot this year is kind of an undersized uh, interior presence for Missouri just because the youth is, I mean, the experience that we have is not in the post. So I think we're going to skew small a lot of the time at the four, and we're going to see a lot of like um, high post facilitating from that spot. And I think Ronnie DeGray fits that role perfectly, and he can stretch the floor a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, last year... Uh, for Massachusetts, he shot 61% from two, which is excellent. Yeah. So if he can keep that up, he got to the free throw line a lot. His uh, effective field goal percentage was um, one of the best on the team. Yeah, I think that's going to be also a theme for this team. Is you, I think we're going to see a pretty vast improvement in uh, like interior scoring, just just two point efficiency. Yeah. Some mid range too. For sure. Okay, the other sophomore on the roster is Jordan Wilmore. He is huge. He is seven foot three, and Conzo is saying that he has worked on his body a lot in the off season, and has slimmed down a little bit, put on a little bit of muscle. And my question to you, Kyle, is: Will we see him in very many games this year? He played in five games last year. Didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, yeah, I think we will. Um... I feel like I heard Conzo in an interview recently kind of talking about Jordan Wilmore and his development. And I mean, apparently he's seriously lost a lot of weight, like 70 or 80 pounds. He looks a lot better, a lot uh, thinner. And um, one thing Conzo kind of talked about was maybe he just a mindset change where last year, you know, he knew he was brand new to the program. Uh, he had uh, T- Jeremiah Tillman, who's been a staple of Mizzou basketball for like five years playing in front of him. I think he knew he just wasn't really relied going to be re- relied upon last year yeah. and but knowing that he's got a shot to really make a difference this year and kind of potentially own the role down low I think 
that was kind of like a light bulb moment for him where he was like, all right, I got to transform my body. I got to figure out how to get in shape. Because, yeah, when you watched him on the floor last year, he looked very slow and just kind of, I don't know, heavy-footed and uh, didn't really look like he was ready to contribute and and wasn't. But he's the kind of guy where, I mean, you don't get 7'3 dudes very often who are fairly athletic for being 7'3. So uh, he's the kind of guy where if you can be patient with him and really work hard on his development, I mean, he might end up being a really good player at some point. But I think we'll definitely see him in most games this year at least in some fashion will he average more points per game or fouls per game (laughs) i'll say points but it might be close okay all right moving on to the juniors um we have a transfer from green bay amari davis 6-3 guard and he is kind of a another kind of like throwback player for college basketball in 2021 he's a mid-range specialist he does get to the rim some but he's not uh much of a three-point shooter um he is happy to kind of pull up from mid-range and get his points there and he did that a lot at green bay Uh, he was their leading scorer and um he was in some games like their only offense and it was all coming from mid-range so definitely not something you're you typically see in college basketball uh in 2021 but if he can score at all then that would be welcome to mizzou basketball yeah he truly has maybe the unique most unique skill set i've seen in a player in a really long time like he just does not shoot threes especially like his freshman year i don't think he even shot more than like five three-pointers in his entire season he was he was uh 0 for 8 0 for 8 and but he still averaged you know a good amount of points like double digit points probably yeah and uh he's just i don't know it's kind of one of those guys where the analytics say this guy is not going to be able to continue scoring at the rate he's going at but he just kind of figures he just finds a way and i don't know he's just he's just a good basketball player he's a smart player uh but i don't know i i think he he did improve his three-point shooting his, his sophomore year but on this team i don't know if we'll need him to shoot a lot of threes but we may just kind of let him find his spots on the interior and do his thing. Yeah, I'll be totally content with him not shooting threes, honestly. Uh, he played a ton of minutes at Green Bay both seasons. I mean, for a freshman and sophomore, he averaged or he had played the fifth most minutes in his conference as a sophomore. Um, and he also was the sixth highest in sh- uh, percentage of shots taken in the conference as well as a sophomore. Um, he was really good at not turning the ball over. Um, he was pretty good at getting steals, good at getting to the free throw line, um, about an 80% free throw shooter. So those are all good things that mm-hmm. obviously contribute to your efficiency being pretty high. But he only shot 28% from three on 82 attempts. That's yeah. way too many attempts for that bad of a percentage. For sure. It sounded like they almost just like wanted, just forced him to shoot threes almost yeah. because... I mean, if he were to be, if if he was able to to develop a consistent three point shot, if he was able to shoot, you know, thirty three to thirty five percent or something from three, he would be an unbelievable scoring threat. He would unlock a a new level to his game for sure. Yeah, because what I mean, what was he averaging like nineteen twenty points a game? Yeah, almost entirely in two point shots and free throws. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if he's going to be able to do that at uh, the next level. I mean, a lot of times guys can can score at lower levels and they hit a wall when they get to the kind of the power five level. But, um, I mean, I kind of still think that analytics and 
you know, just watching him play, you're like, surely this guy is not going to be able to continue doing this. And he just keeps doing it. Just he's been doubted his whole uh, career and he just keeps proving people wrong. So hopefully he continues to do that. I agree. Um, Next we have this. Okay, we got a first name here that's going to be a struggle to pronounce (laughs) until we hear it regularly on broadcast and stuff. But Conzo Martin himself pronounced it Dejuan, Dejuan Gordon from Kansas State. 6'4 guard. Um, Konzo's talked about it, so if you've listened to him much, uh, you'll know he was one of the best rebounders from any guard position in the Big 12 last year, and that's something that he brought from high school. I mean, he in high school, he was asked to kind of run the offense a little bit, and he was just like super athletic, could shoot a little bit, and um, he was actually a top 100 recruit out of high school, went to Kansas State. He's originally from Chicago, and he just hasn't really been able to get it going on offense so far um, in his two seasons at Kansas State. I don't know that we can expect him to take a huge jump um, coming to Mizzou. Uh, again, not an awesome three-point shooter, not an efficient scorer really across the board, but high motor guy, good defensive player, uh, long arms, can block shots because of his wingspan plus athleticism. He's kind of like a put-back dunk specialist. Like, he is always looking for opportunities to go up and get the ball and put it back in. And that contributes to his rebounding numbers. But overall, he's just kind of has a nose for the ball on defense as well as, um, like, getting offensive rebounds and stuff. Was one of the best in the Big 12 last year. Yeah, I think there's always going to be a role for players like that. Even even for Dujuan Gordon, who can't shoot super well, uh, just... He was, I mean, he averaged like nine or 10 points a game last year, just mainly on, you know, slashing or, yeah. or putbacks and stuff like that. Um, I actually think that there's a chance he is a much better fit in this Conzo Martin offense than he was at Kansas State. Uh, and just, I, I think they're going to look to push the ball a lot more this year and, and play in tra- fast in transition. And I think that could actually really help Gordon out a ton. I, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. Um, I mean, still, you know, averaging nine or ten points a game, that's still, if he could do that at Mizzou, that's that's definitely pretty impactful still. Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a ton of shots um, at Kansas State. When things kind of started to fall apart there last year, you know, they had like a 12-game losing streak in conference play. Um, they kind of just threw a lot of stuff at the wall to try to find something that worked on offense. So he did take more shots at that point. Um, and was just not very efficient. But the whole Kansas State offense was pretty abysmal last year. Um, he, If he can kind of just be a defensive stopper and really, really good rebounder from kind of the guard wing position for Missouri this season, then I think he will get lots of minutes. I don't think Konzo will want to keep him on the bench very much. He's just... Um, he seems like the type of guy that you can just throw out there for 30 plus minutes a game and he's not going to score a ton not going to be super impactful on the offensive end but if he can just kind of own his role as a defender and you know high level rebounder then I think he will get all the minutes he could hope for Um, before I'm going to skip Kobe Brown and let's talk about another uh, newcomer to the program Jerron Boogie Coleman transfer from Ball State uh, 6'5 
And he is very intriguing to me because he basically played like a classic point forward position for Ball State. He most of the time was like their four, but he was their point guard. So he was absolutely a classic point forward. Um, and he is one going to be one of the best three-point shooters on Missouri's team this year. He shot 42% last year from three for Ball State. So something that we have desperately needed the last couple seasons, maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, he can provide some shooting from deep, but also he's going to be asked to be the primary ball handler, I think, a lot of the time. So will he have those opportunities to make plays for himself yet to be determined? Yeah, I definitely think Boogie Coleman could kind of almost be the X factor in this offense a little bit. Like we, like you said, he has a history of shooting really well from three. A lot of these players don't have that history, so I feel like he's going to be relied upon pretty heavily to to stretch the floor in that way. And, you know, just with um, – oh, man, it's so early in the morning. What is the uh, – <laughs> assistant coach's name uh cornell man cornell man i I, with him still on staff i really think they're going to want to run things through the the four position i i i think he's just going to be a very important piece of the offense and what they're trying to do yeah in in the half court i absolutely agree uh one fun little tidbit uh john coleman played last year obviously at ball state alongside former missouri tiger kj walton still uh, still playing for Ball State last year. That was his final year of eligibility, I do believe, though. He technically had two senior seasons hmm. at Ball State. Uh, he has had some injuries um, that he had to deal with since leaving Mizzou. But he was their best player, uh, K.J. Walton, best player on Ball State's roster last year. And still didn't shoot threes. <laughs> I know this is a, this, I'm off on a tangent here, but in his uh, last two in his last three years of college basketball, he was a combined one for 19 from three. KJ Walton. Yep. Uh, but back to Boogie Coleman. Uh, his last year at Ball State, obviously he was just a sophomore. He um, was one of their highest possession guys. He had the fifth best assist rate in the conference last year and also the ninth best three-point shooting percentage in the conference last year. So that's uh, obviously he is going to be a guy that is going to dominate the ball, I think, and make plays for his teammates. And I can see him kind of taking over that Drew Smith role of facilitating the offense, just being sound at the point guard position. And I think he's going to be, I think we're going to be saying some of the same things of like, man, we got to find a way to get Boogie the, uh, you know, his shot more. We got to get him taking more three pointers, kind of like we did with Drew Smith from time to time. Mm -hmm. Then the last junior that we'll talk about is Kobe Brown. You know him, you love him. He averaged eight points, six rebounds last year, shot 47% from the field, but only 24% from three. And honestly, too many attempts for that low of a percentage. What are you expecting from Kobe this year? Is he going to take a step? I think he will. I I just always kind of feel like um, I love those intangibles about – college sports sometimes and and one of those things is just um kind of like we talked about with jordan wilmore earlier just just knowing you are one of the more experienced guys on the team and knowing you're going to be relied upon to kind of take a step i I think guys sometimes 
when they realize that they do it and they kind of seize that opportunity and I think that is something that Kobe Brown probably feels right now. He's one of two guys left over basically from last year's team, uh, one, one of two contributors. Yeah. And I, I think he looks really good. His body looks like he's just been working really hard. Um, I think he's going to find a role, and I don't know um, exactly where that's going to be. I think he might even be expected to play the five some in smaller lineups this year. I think he might be kind of used interchangeably, but – I don't know. Do you think that he'll be he'll shoot as many threes as he did last year? I hope not. <laughs> um, I I would be happy with the whole team shooting fewer threes than yeah. they did last year, and hopefully, the flow of the offense kind of caters to this squad being more efficient in mid range to post mm-hmm. play on offense. So I hope kind of we see a down uh, trend on three point shooting altogether. But yeah, if Kobe Brown can play like 70 percent of minutes instead of 52 percent like he did last year and bring his rebounding and um you know just kind of sound play on offense to those extended minutes then i think he can definitely be impactful i worry about kind of entrusting much of the scoring expectation to him Um, he has been efficient on his two-point shooting uh last year he was ninth in the conference in uh two-point shooting field goal percentage but only 74 attempts so he wasn't really asked to do a whole lot but when he found his opportunities he was efficient with them um so not a great free throw shooter either no so that that is a problem and he didn't really get to the line very much um all things considered I think uh, with Kobe, we will see him kind of take that um, Kevin Perrier role of like, and we saw this some last year of them trying to run the offense through him at the top of the key. They'll get it to him. You know, he, he's probably not going to bring the ball down that much, but they will work the offense into him being at the top of the key with the ball, making a read uh, for an entry pass to the post or driving on his guy or kicking it out for a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he can be great in that role. I don't know if he's going to ever be a high-volume shooter, but um, I definitely think he is a high-IQ guy who can get others involved and, and facilitate and kind of create some mismatches at the at the forward position. I think, um, obviously, not seeing any of these guys play together, I think I would rather see Coleman facilitating with Kobe being the person receiving the ball in the post versus... Kobe trying to facilitate into the post for Jordan Wilmore or Yaya Kita. At this point, um, that's Coleman being at the top of the key, trying to make a play because of his ability to shoot from deep makes more sense to me at this point. But that might be, I mean, I don't think that's what Missouri's coaching staff has in mind. I think they still want to, it'll be interesting to see what they do because if they consider Coleman as like the guy playing the four spot, and really embrace that point forward role for him, then I could see Kobe being the primary post player most of the time. Mm-hmm. But if Coleman isn't bringing the ball up the floor, then I could see them playing a more traditionally big lineup with Kobe at the four. Yeah. 
Well, a lot of these guys' skills are pretty interchangeable, and I definitely feel like we've, we're the closest we've ever been to positionless basketball in the Conzo Martin era, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely made an effort to go that direction. And when, when Yaya Kita and Jordan Wilmore are both on the bench, that's when we'll see the most versatility and positionless basketball, for sure. Do you think it's possible to ever see Kobe Brown, Boogie Coleman, and Ronnie DeGray on the floor at the same time? Um, yes, I, I do think that will happen. I mean, why would you go this route with your roster yeah. if you're not going to lean on that versatility yeah. and, you know, try to mix things up like that? Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the lone senior on the squad, and that is Javon Pickett. He averaged six points, two rebounds in 17 minutes per game last year, shot 50% from the field with 36% from three. What more can you say about Javon Pickett? I mean, he is like the prototypical Conzo Martin player. Obviously, yeah. Coach loves him, and he is, Javon is hard-nosed, hard worker, um, fights for everything that he gets on offense and defense, and willing to take charges, willing to, you know, just put it all on the line to make a play. And even though he's not the most skilled player on the floor pretty much any time, he's always, like, maximum effort all the time. And obviously that is something that Konzo wants to keep around. I don't think Konzo Martin could have hand-selected a better player for somebody in this situation where you're welcoming so many new faces and you need a leader to kind of set the precedent for expectations and, like, how we do things around here. Yeah. And I, I feel like Javon Pickett, I mean, you couldn't pick a better a person to to kind of demonstrate, okay, around here we, we work hard yeah. and we, you know, we... We take play. pride in defense and rebounding yes. and making the little plays. All that, for sure. So I, I think Javon Pickett is a fantastic leader for the, team, for the team. He and Kobe Brown both, I think, oh, probably uh, just fantastic ambassadors for what Conzo Martin wants to instill in his players. So as far as on the court, um, you know, Javon Pickett, he's been he's had some good moments in his Mizzou career he's fairly limited athletically like a lot of the players on last year's team were a lot of those players were that way um but you know in in the secret scrimmage in the information that we do have Javon Pickett was kind of the alpha he played the most minutes by far out of anybody on the team he scored the most points he was facilitating he was kind of doing it all and I don't know if that's Pickett taking the next step or if that just means that we're in for a, a a dark season which we could be anyway but um regardless um you know we'll we'll kind of figure some of those things out once we get to watch the team and stuff but uh i definitely think this seems like it's kind of pick its team and that could be great it couldn't could be a little scary but uh i i love javon pickett he's kind of just been a great player to watch and uh just a great missouri tiger yeah and i think the scary part of it obviously comes from hit, uh, him being relied on on the offensive side scoring the ball and like we obviously we could say that if if there were more than two players returning from last year we would be saying this about every single one of them i mean that's part of the reason why we don't have very many players returning from last year is because scoring the ball was a challenge and a lot of them went to lower level exactly yeah so getting an influx of new talent new guys that can hopefully get the ball in the basket hopefully that relieves some of the pressure off of kobe brown and more importantly javon pickett um but 
we can't it's obviously there's a problem when we go down the entire roster and go okay hopefully this guy's not uh like relied on to score the ball a ton yeah if we say that about every single player like unless all of them average nine points a game including jordan wilmore then it's just not going to work offensively so right yeah and unfortunately there's just not a lot of precedent for Pickett or kobe brown to be the guy to score the ball on offense exactly and And because we have like less because we've seen more of Pickett, it seems like oh kobe brown has a better chance of like developing into that role but i think the scoring burden is going to have to come to one of the newcomers um probably gordon and amari davis yeah just as a guy that we turn to 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 get a bucket i mean yeah now that we've kind of talked about every guy i guess just my general thoughts on like the team i i I think this team is a conzo martin dream come true as far as these guys are tough they're gritty they are gonna want to play hard it seems like from the outside looking in so far it seems like these guys are going to enjoy playing with each other um they're going to go hard on each other in practice um but uh, you know turn around and be brothers um at the same time and uh I don't know. I, I, they're definitely not going to be this beautiful offense, and I don't know that a Conzo Martin team is ever going to be that. But these guys are going to play so hard. They're going to play really good defense. I think the defense is going to look so much better than it did last year, especially in the second half. I think it'll be one of the best uh, rebounding teams in the They're going to rebound really well. Um, just all of those kind of things. They're going to be diving for balls and yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, they're all, like we've talked about, athletic and long. I think they're just going to make things difficult for opposing offenses to they're going to deny entry passes and they're going to do all the little things really, really well. And um, unfortunately, the the big question mark is how are we going to score consistently? Um, We we're going to have to get some consistent shooting from somebody. But if we can figure out how to how to score. All right. I think this team might actually be surprisingly decent. Yeah, I was just thinking, okay, you'll have to go with me here. But imagine this team next year with a junior Aiden Shaw like obviously this doesn't work in real life ever but that's the kind of team that I think Konzo is like if I could just get that Mm -hmm. then we'd be a tournament team every year this team with a with an alpha scorer yeah 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 um yeah I agree and you know the season hasn't started yet we have they haven't faced adversity yet so you never know what's going to happen when if when and if things go south but i definitely again speculation but it seemed like there were maybe some personality issues last year uh maybe off the court maybe on the court um i definitely think some of the players that were that were pretty high contributors maybe didn't gel with Conzo martin all that well and i think it sometimes created some issues and i don't think this current team has those issues at all it seems like everybody is wants to be unselfish Everybody wants to play for the betterment of the team for the most part, um, but we'll we'll see what happens when when things go if things go south. Yeah, you can say when, when when they lose games. Yeah, because that's going to happen. Right. All right. So let's try to predict the most frequently used starting lineup this coming season. Is there anybody? That's it. We can pencil in Kobe Brown and Javon Pickett as starters, right? I agree. Now, the question is, are they starting at the three and four spot or the four and five spot or the three and five spot? 
Uh, I'm going to say the three and five, just based on who the other guys I think will will play the most. Okay. Then uh, Boogie Coleman seems like a sure fire starter. Yeah. Uh, are you putting him at the <laughs> one or I, the four? Oh, man, I don't even know. I think we'll put him at the four, I guess. Okay. Well, I don't know. And it'll, it's like, uh, I kind of, I almost feel like we should just pick five players because the positions are just so, yeah, I don't even know. Yeah. I know you may be right. Um, then I think I want to put Amari Davis at the two. I think I would put, I guess, I guess I would put Gordon maybe at the two and Davis at the one. Yeah, I, I think maybe what we've done here is predicted who these players will guard on defense. Yeah. And then on offense, like, I guess. It's just whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I think I would, if my, my five guys, I think I would I would say Amari Davis, uh, Gordon, Kobe Brown, Boogie Coleman, Javon Pickett, yeah. and then probably Ronnie DeGray is the sixth man. I think that makes sense. and Which is all upperclassmen experienced players. Yeah. Um, and it's all guys uh, like six foot seven and shorter so there's not a like true post player in the top six that we're projecting here Mm -hmm. so if jordan wilmore or yaya kita can come in and be like the five spot primarily that would be helpful for this team but i think if they try to force that it'll be detrimental yeah yeah i think this is definitely one of the more intriguing things i mean this team could be pretty mediocre this year, but I'm still going to have a blast watching them just mm. for the sake of lineups and and maybe thing seeing what this team could do in the future. Yeah. But seeing what kind of chemistry different players have together. Yeah, but this is really pretty fascinating to see how is Conzo Martin going to use these guys and and who's going to play and in in what ways. So um and I forgot to say, Ronnie DeGray was actually recruited by Missouri uh, in high school. So mm, I feel yeah. like they obviously have a history. Conta Martin loves loves Ronnie DeGray, so he he's going to play a lot. But, um, And I definitely think they might play with some different starting lineups too. I don't know if that's going to be set in stone. Whatever the first game is might not be the second game. Yeah, I mean, in Conzo's uh, career so far at Missouri, he's played lots of different starting lineups every yeah. year, sometimes because of injury, sometimes just to switch things up. Mm-hmm. Um and the starters haven't necessarily meant that they're like getting the most minutes. I mean, we saw we saw Penson start and then yeah. get pulled. <laughs> we saw uh, Blake Harris start and you know play the six most minutes on average. Yeah. So a lot uh, of matchup dependent. Yeah, I think we could see Anton Brookshire start uh, a game or more um, if they kind of want to go with a more traditional point guard. Again, but that that would be like a classic. This guy's going to start at point guard, but then only play 15 minutes. Yeah. All right. That is... Is that your five as well? Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I think I think Coleman... I really think Coleman will be the primary ball handler for this team. So how that shakes out offensively, I don't know. I think we will kind of always have two wing players that are like... What's the difference between a guard and a forward? I think uh, between Gordon Pickett and Ronnie DeGray, we're going to see just kind of this kind of hybrid guard forward wing position quite a bit. That's the roster. Uh, some of our predictions. Let us know what you think in the comments. What do you? Are we uh, underestimating any of the freshmen? Um, do you think 
you have a different uh, five guys that will be key contributors, let us know. And we are going to switch gears to football with the preview of the upcoming game against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has a new head coach from last year, uh, Coach Clark Lee, and they are 2-6 and six on the season. They have a three-point win over Colorado State and a two-point victory over Connecticut. And Colorado State's probably better than Connecticut, right? That's probably yeah, like so. a, somehow a better win yeah. than Connecticut. And uh, probably their loss to South Carolina is like one of their better games this year. They lost by one point. South Carolina is not great, but uh, that was a decent game for Vanderbilt. Uh, they had a, a kind of a rough uh, three games against some better SEC opponents. They played Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi State. And uh, the average score of those three games was 50 to 3. And uh, six points or nine points came against uh, Mississippi State. Like, I'm pretty sure they were shut out against Georgia and Florida. And like one of those games was like 60 something to zero. So Vanderbilt, not great. Not very good. Um, their offense is dead last in the country in scoring, in the entire country, <laughs> 13.3 points per game. Uh, their starting quarterback, Ken Seals, has missed the last two games, so we might see uh, sophomore Mike White. But either way, Vanderbilt's quarterback play has not been great. Not the worst part of their team. Uh, other things, I think, have led to the quarterback play not being great. Vanderbilt's rushing attack is averaging just under 100 yards per game this season. One of the worst in the country. The only teams that are like worse at running the ball are teams that don't even try. Like Mississippi State is worse in the country in rushing yards per game. That Mike Leach offense. Yeah, but but that's because they literally don't care. If they were like when they play Mizzou, they would probably and they did last year. They try to the run ball. the ball. Yeah. So uh, Vanderbilt, not a good offense. Their defense is second worst in the SEC. I wonder who's worst. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. <laughs> so Vanderbilt, not great. Yeah, um, just bad at everything. Thank goodness their defense is not very good um, because Missouri's defense, if they're ever going to put together a game that looks decent against a Power 5 team, it would be this game. And I guess before we get into this, we should back up a little bit and talk about some injuries real quick, uh, because that is going to factor into how we talk about this game a little bit. So you want to uh, catch us up on some injuries from this week? Yeah, somehow over the bye week, we ended up having a whole lot of guys get injured. I don't know if, I mean, is that weird? Are these guys just getting injured in practice or are these guys that don't want to play or what's going on here? Well, I mean, we saw with uh, Case Cook, he had like lingering injuries that he was trying to play through and then eventually they were like this isn't working like you got to shut it down yeah so maybe the bye week just like let them assess everything and be like oh geez um we got some guys that are pretty banged up we we should monitor them going into the vanderbilt game maybe so maybe that's what it is uh, maybe so uh yeah so this is a pretty long list here but guys that are questionable are chris abrams drain Barrett Bannister, Akeel Byers, Allie Green, and Michael Mayetti. So that questionable group, <laughs> I, we really want those guys to play. Yeah, I mean, um, Abram Strain, I mean, he struggled at times this year, but who hasn't? And yeah. I, I think he's kind of a electric 
playmaker potentially right. on defense. Obviously, Michael Mietti. I mean, we really Jeez. need him to play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Byers, I mean, the, the D line is getting kind of thin with Chris yeah. Turner. So, uh, and then uh, doubtful is Ish Burdine, Chance Looper, Sean Robinson, Johnny Walker. So, again, Johnny Walker, another uh, defensive lineman who's been playing some. Sean Robinson, who's somehow, like, been the one of the best players in the defense so far. Yeah, I mean, is that Sean Robinson, a converted quarterback, uh, being one of the most relied on defenders in the Mizzou secondary? Like, cool story. Like, great for him. But... Is that where we want to be as a defense? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, last year he started against Mississippi State, and you know, he I think he had like an interception or something. Yeah. We were like, wow, like Sean Robinson, like yeah. holy, great story. He, like, this he, is so, he had a stat. Yeah, that's so cool for him. And now he's like the best player on defense. Uh, like, yeah, that can't. That's probably not good. Yeah, as much as we love as Sean Robinson, we love him. We're big fans of him on this podcast. But, but yeah, but how is that possible? Anyways, he's not. He's doubtful. Uh, Chance Looper. That's I mean, terrible. That's also, like, no, like, Sean Robinson being doubtful, considering how much he's relied on in this defense. That's not good. That's not good. Uh, Chance Looper and Ishberdine. And out, Mookie Cooper. Okay. So there's definitely some individuals on this list that it's like, yeah, that's we are a worst team because yeah. they are not going to play most likely. Um, and then also part of me is like, well, all these guys have had their bad moments. We're terrible. At, we're one of the worst defenses I've ever watched in my life. And uh, what would it hurt to have other players get in there? I think what it'll hurt, uh, if I know that's kind of a rhetorical question, but um, we're going to see less. We're not going to see the every once in a while really good play. We're going <laughs> to see more of just like the mediocre to bad play consistently. Yeah. Because, like, Chris Abrams' drain is a great example of, like, yeah, he was a big part of a very bad defense, but he could provide a spark from time to time by just making a big play. Yeah. So look for more of the struggles with less of the upside plays. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think who we might see. Um, at center, if, if Mike's not playing, I mean, we might see freshman Connor Tolleson. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else could play center. Uh, I know Connor Wood's been kind of the sixth man at O-line, but I don't know if he uh, has many reps at center in his career. Uh, at cornerback, we might see the freshman Dalen Carnell get in there a little bit. Uh, but, I mean, we might see some Stacy Brown. But I don't know. It's going to be a hodgepodge of guys if, if all of these guys are out. It, it might get interesting. Obviously, some of these guys are questionable. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming some of them will play. Yeah. But I thank I goodness it's Vanderbilt. Yeah. I mean, seriously. And hopefully, some of these injuries are are not super long term. Yeah. Yeah. Like Vanderbilt, literally one of, if not the worst offenses in the country. So, and their running attack is not good. They lost their like would be starting running back. Uh, to a season-ending injury after like three games this season so their backups have not been great their offensive line is pretty terrible uh, they don't have very many explosive skill players their quarterback play has been not great mostly due to their offensive line struggles so if there was ever a team where Missouri could show some fight on defense, I, I mean honestly I could see this game going like a lesser version of uh 
Missouri's game. I, I would say this is probably going to be pretty similar to Missouri's game against Central Michigan, but both offenses might look a little worse. I think Missouri's offense has just kind of trended down yeah, a little bit towards the end of the season. So, um, but I think they'll do enough to the, the spread on this game is ridiculous. I yeah. think 16 points, I think is where it was at most recently. That's kind of insane. That's, that's come down. I think it started off at like 20. Yeah. And for it to be a road game for Mizzou, I don't know. That's just insane. And not, so I would like, if I were betting, like Vanderbilt seems like an easy play and the under probably. <laughs> but uh, I've got Missouri winning this game. It's probably going to be ugly. Hopefully Missouri's offense can make some plays, move the ball through the air. Um, hopefully they can not let a pretty terrible Vanderbilt rushing attack look good. One thing that Steve Wilkes did say in an interview recently was that they are looking at ways to simplify the scheme. And I don't know what exactly that means. I don't know if that means just hopefully a little bit less thinking for the players. I think that just happens sometimes when you're learning a new scheme and it's complicated and there's a lot of layers and context to it. You're, you kind of get in your own brain sometimes and you don't play fast because you're thinking about, uh, making a mistake or whatever you're, yeah. you're thinking about all the all the things making you got to go through and stuff, yes yeah. and so maybe if there's a way they've simplified the scheme a little bit um it might t- uh take some of the the mental pressure off of the players so they can just focus on making a play i don't know but how do we end up like twice in four years <laughs> in a situation where we're installing a defensive scheme and the players just are like and it's just completely breaks them yeah yeah i i mean other teams go through coordinator changes like but i don't I don't recall very many teams just having an absolute meltdown when the they have same to thing happened schemes. with um, the well uh, cross Demonte cross, cross yeah. yeah like and that was spurred on by Barry Odom like that was a yeah that was all part of the plan yeah install this new defense and then it Less, just wasn't happening yeah they, they had to like literally abandon it mid season mm-hmm. more like gap responsibility stuff yeah that's been like almost maybe more of like an NFL style defense that's been uh pretty bad for yep. Missouri's defenses twice now yeah but um I so I don't know what what the scheme's gonna look like I don't know if we'll be able to tell much of a difference but I don't really care just stop the run please just yeah. please get a stop yeah uh against Vander- Vanderbilt especially so uh you know in that Texas A&M game we really didn't even go over that game and we don't really need to but you know the defense did look a little better in the second half of that game I don't know if that's because A&M took their foot off of the gas pedal or if Missouri just figure things out a little bit i don't that probably didn't happen because it hasn't happened at any point this season but i sure hope that missouri looks a little bit better against vanderbilt this weekend i don't really feel comfortable uh choosing mizzou against really very many teams in the country right now but but vanderbilt's so bad we have to win this game so i think missouri wins 31 21 okay i've got each team scoring a field goal on top of that i've got missouri winning 34 to 24 and I would be. Okay I'll take with the that. win, honestly. Yeah, that's just fine. At this point, just I, I want to win against an SEC team. And there are very few opportunities left to become bowl eligible. I don't know if anybody is even thinking about that as a goal anymore. <laughs> I'm sure the coaching staff is, but whether that's realistic or not, we will have a little bit better idea after this game. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, we're one step closer. We'd have to beat Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and then we'd have to upset Georgia, Florida, or Arkansas. We have to win three more games. Yeah. 
two games we absolutely should win and the rest not so much right all right we're predicting wins by 10 points we'll see if that comes to fruition if that's what happens i'll be very happy i'll take it all right let's pick a handful of games from the sec slate and plus nebraska <laughs> sec pick them plus nebraska we are getting destroyed in this competition oh, by yeah. our patreon guest pickers <laughs> um so we'll see if they can keep it up this week not a whole lot of opportunity because of uh bye weeks for us to get back into this thing so let's see what we can do Alrighty, to tally up from last week you two and tim four correct picks i had three i went for the hero pick didn't work out you picked nebraska or what LSU. No. oh LSU. LSU. okay i got you They've been a, a tricky one to pick this year. Yeah, seriously. So our season totals, Kyle is at 38. I am at 39. Cameron is at 42. And the guest pickers are at 49. <laughs> Got some work to do. Thanks, J.D. We're, we're running out, that running one out week, of That clock. one week was just brutal. All right. First game this week is number one Georgia at Florida. Georgia is a 14-point favorite. Who did Florida just lose to? LSU, like, yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, At yeah, this Florida's point. Florida's been kind of hit or miss. Yeah, they have been. At this point, I just would pick Georgia against anybody. Yeah. Georgia, please. Georgia versus the Jets. <laughs> Do the Jets? <laughs> the Jets win. I know, oh but, I know, but like, could they keep it within three, no. touch, three touchdowns? Three touchdowns, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't that just be interesting to to watch? I mean, yeah. yes, everybody knows the NFL team would win, but like I just still want to see it happen. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. I, I and Georgia's I, defense is just unbelievable. Uh, like half those players are going to be in a, are NFL players anyway. Right. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that like Georgia's defense has players on it while they're not as far along in their development as football players. I would say most of the players on Georgia's defense are going to have better NFL careers than the players than the that are current, currently on the Jets. The current Jets, mm-hmm. yes. So, I don't know. Wow. Might be more interesting. It, well, you never know. That's that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> all right, we're all on Georgia. Our guest picker this week is Britt. Good luck, Britt. Welcome back. Welcome back. All righty. Game number two is number 10, Ole Miss. At number 18, Auburn. Auburn is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Ole Miss. Oh, that's such an, e- Ole Miss? That's such an yeah. easy upset pick for me, Ole Miss. Auburn's, Auburn's the favorite? Yeah. Eh, they've been, like... They've been a little hit or miss. Yeah, LSU light as far as, like... I Ole, don't know. Ole Miss is... They've been standing up to the challenge. I agree. Mm, even when they get golf balls thrown at them. <laughs> and uh, mustard bottles. Yeah. Uh... Give me Ole Miss, yeah. So all four of us did? Yeah. Yep. Well, that takes the fun out of it. <laughs> but I still can't pick Auburn. I'm not <laughs> no. going to do it. All right. Game three, number 12, Kentucky at Mississippi State. Kentucky is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Oof. Mississippi State has been okay this year, if not good. Kind of like uh, Texas A&M, you always call them every single week. Call them a fraud. Yeah. So this seems fraudulent. Like, yeah, this seems like the time that you would pick against them. Who? Who? Texas A&M. Yeah. This is Mississippi State. Yeah. Who are they playing? Kentucky. Oh shoot. 
but Texas A&M is fraudulent. So I, I agree with you, but <laughs> I thought, they were irrelevant at the moment. I thought they were playing uh, Texas A&M. <laughs> Mississippi State, I have said they're fraudulent in the past. I think I've even said they suck in the past. Yeah. Maybe not this year. There's kind of a clash of different styles. Uh, I, I, absolutely. Uh, but I think, uh, I think I like Kentucky here. I do, too. I got to pick Kentucky. Britt also has Kentucky. Mix it up. Mix it up. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna catch the guess if we don't. I'll take Mississippi State. Okay. Okay. You're, not, you're definitely not gonna catch the guess doing that. We appreciate it. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> All right. In the last game, Purdue at Nebraska. Nebraska is a seven and a half point favorite. Give me Nebraska. Purdue just beat Iowa recently, <laughs> yeah, right? They did. Like what? handily. What in the world? Uh, not saying I'm not worried about it. Yeah, no. I <laughs> Seven <laughs> points. Uh, I'll take Purdue. Oof. What? Who did Britt take? Nebraska. Give me Purdue. Oh, man. This is terrible. <laughs> Nebraska's probably going to win. They never win. They anything. They almost win a lot. They do. They almost win. They look really competitive for 90% of the game. I bet they win. So are you picking them? Or? No. Okay. <laughs> go right. Purdue. That, that Let's sense. go. All right. Is that yep. it? I think that's it. That's it. All right. Small slate again. Good luck, a, everyone. It's going to be a beast of an episode, probably. Um, anything else? No. I'm, I'm glad basketball season's here. I, me too. It's, it'll be a fun time. More games to watch. It, For it, sure. If you are new to the channel, new to the podcast, this time of year when these sports overlap, we're going to have longer episodes. So uh, buckle, buckle up. Strap in. We're uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of games, especially when the actual games overlap. We're recapping and previewing every week, but it'll be a fun time. Lots of content for you. Yep. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Louis Hernandez, and Tim Keens. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. After See you on the gridiron.